I wasn't thinking so much about all the animals per se when I get to the beach, but um, I, uh, I, you know, you never know what you're going to get with kids, so you got to roll with the punches. Hey, turn with me real quick to Acts chapter one, and we're going to look at a very powerful verse here in Acts one. This is, of course, right here at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. Oftentimes called even the Acts of the Holy Spirit because of how much work the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of the apostles and disciples and the church as the kingdom moves forward. So let's look here. We're just going to read one verse. So hear these words as you have before, but with eyes to see. Notice here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You so much for Your Word. And Your Word is for us. And we thank You, Lord, that You have secured this Word throughout the ages so that we might read it here in this place today. That we might hear it again, even, for the first time with ears to hear by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that You would commission us as You did those first disciples in the first century, O Lord, to be Your witnesses. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last week uh, we had Jesse share with us, and so I wanted to just thank him for uh, bringing a word. It was a powerful word, and, and I listened to it last night, and I was all pumped up about 11.30 doing that. So, it was, uh, it was a great word, and, uh, and really, really, again, appreciate uh, his willingness to share and your willingness to hear. Um, Unfortunately, his was 18 minutes. Mine typically runs about 32 minutes. So I, I, that was probably why we had so many compliments, you know. Uh, no, I'm just, just joking with that. But uh, especially when, I, when I'm coming off a little bit of a trip and I haven't been with you for some time, I have so much that the Lord has downloaded to my heart that it's hard for me to, to stay on position, which is why I have about 14 papers before me to help me do that. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to stay on target. You know, it's really interesting here. Acts is a bridge document. In other words, it bridges for us the Gospels and the Epistles. It's a transitional document, book. And interestingly, Luke writes it, who we've already read from this morning, right? We had our responsive reading from the Gospel of Luke. Luke is a physician. He is a Gentile, which means he's not Jewish. Uh, He is one who did not grow up sort of cradled in the promises of God, waiting for a Messiah, and yet he meets a Messiah. He meets the risen Lord uh, through the work of the apostles. So Luke actually never met Jesus physically, and yet he met Jesus spiritually as we all must. And he writes two different books, two different books, and it, which become a third of the New Testament. Now, this is the only writer of the New Testament that we know of that's actually Gentile. So it's very powerful that God would take someone who is sort of outside of Judaism and use them because now the church is not just made of Jews. There's lots of writings about that in the epistles, isn't it? You find that sort of discussion going on. 
about do you have to become a Jew first to become a Christian? And Paul's going to come down hard on that and say, no, you need Jesus. Jesus is the key, not Judaism. And so here we have Luke writing to us this morning. And just notice, if you'll bear with me again in just a quick reading, a re- really a rereading, notice, but Jesus is saying this right as he's ascending into heaven. This is the ascension. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now we just celebrated that. You notice how all the, the pyramids have turned red. Uh, Here in this place, even over at the cross, that's a representation of the fire of the Spirit. The dove descending. The the one who brings life, the Lord and giver of life, has descended upon the church to start the church. Jesus says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, has rested on you. And notice this, you will be my witnesses. In other words, it's not something that we try to do. It's something when we receive the Spirit, when we are saved, we will be witnesses. There's no way to hide a light when it's shining that brightly from within. And so this is a powerful word to all of us that we are already witnesses. Now, Acts is one of these power-packed books and also a very controversial book in the sense it brings up a lot of questions about how we should do church and and what we should be as disciples of Jesus Christ. And many discussions circulate around some of the things that go on in Acts. But sometimes in all of the discussing of Acts, we miss the key critical components of what's there. What's really happening in the book of Acts is that Jesus' ministry is continuing through the church. In other words, in the Gospels, we have the life of Jesus. What happens after that? What happens after the resurrection? And what happens is recorded for us in Acts over over about really a 50 or so year period. And so now, you know, this is sort of getting into some textual stuff, but it's extremely important things. And that is there's really a couple ways that you organize the book of Acts. You say, oh man, he, you know, he's about to go into teacher mode. No, no, bear with me. Bear with me real quick. God uses people. Amen. That's the way He's going to save the world. In other words, He's not using a wand just to sort of, okay, who am I going to save today? Zapping people. No, no. He uses His church, His body, made of people. Now that means you're all qualified. You say, what's the, what's the qualification to be a Christian? Being a person. Being a person. To be used by God, being a person. Which all of us are persons here today, present. Which means we're all qualified. We're all candidates. And in particular, He uses two people to move forward the ministry of Jesus in the book of Acts. You can probably name them yourself, but it's Peter and Paul. Peter, in the first 12 chapters, is the main character. The second part of the book is going to turn into Paul. You know, some people have asked this question, what is an apostle? You ever thought this yourself? I mean, we sometimes see these churches that we've... I love visiting new churches, by the way. 
Uh, you know, I obviously don't get to do it very often. Uh, so when I do, it's, it's always sort of a, a very learning experience. Where I soak, I'm like a sponge when I go. You know, I'm soaking it all in, and I have so many ideas that I cannot share here, even from the one experience I get, got from a high church, Episcopalian, you know, experience. Um, which, by the way, what we mean by high church, again, is it's very scripted. Low church would be very unscripted. So it's not one is better than the other. It's that, you know, uh, some churches are very unscripted. They just, there's not, nobody's reading a bunch of stuff or reciting things. Whereas high church is very, very scripted. So Episcopalian church that we went to, very scripted. The only thing unscripted really was us walking in with five kids. Um, and so that was sort of unscripted. Nobody knew what to do. You know what I mean? And so it was, it was one of those things. It was like, oh, uh, yeah, so uh, do you all want to be our youth group today or our children's group? Today? So we just sort of brought the whole house down with that. But uh, in, in, in visiting other churches, here's, here's the thing that I have noticed is that God is on the move. In other words, I've been to India and God is on the move. I've been to churches in Florida. God is on the move. I know of churches in Northern Ireland. God is on the move. I've heard reports coming back from Iran. God is on the move. Africa, God is on the move. China, exploding at the seams in an underground way that's not being reported to you. God is on the move. And you know what? He's also on the move here. Point being is this. In the book of Acts, we have two apostles. And I'm going to get to sort of a definition of that in a minute. But we have two apostles that have very different ministries. Now now notice this. The term apostle actually just simply means sent one. So if you look it up in the Greek, apostle just means sent one. Now now what would you imagine is the sending agent? (laughs) It's Jesus, right? We just heard that, right? He commissions us to go into all the world. That's actually near the end of Luke and Matthew. We get a commission. And right here as he's going up into the air, we get a commission from God to move out. Did you catch the geography here? Jew, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. We're commissioned to move out as witnesses. In other words, if we're going to be a witness, we have to have witnessed something. We've had to have an experience. Just like if you are a witness at a car crash or a crime, you had to see it happen, right? God has to be on the move in us for us to be a witness. Amen. Not just in the world. He is at work in the world already. Uh, I've reported that to you. I've seen it with my own eyes. Even in high churches, in low churches. I've been in both. Grew up in a low church. God is on the move. He uses all kinds of churches, all kinds of peoples. And notice, there's not just one methodology in Acts for how to do church. We think we got the corner market on how to do church. We don't have the corner market. In China today, they're on their knees whispering to each other songs of praise to Jesus. That's how they do it. In Iran, it looks very different. In India, you talk about not wanting the music loud in church. Well... You better put your earplugs in because they crank it up as loud as it goes. Why? Because the pagan temples do the same thing there. That's how they draw in the people. They don't, they don't, they don't uh, do it from a minaret like the Muslims do. They just crank the music up. So the Christians, hey, let's just crank the music up. And they just play it loud as possible and sing as loud as possible. Not as good as possible, but as loud as possible. 
We don't have the corner market on how to do church. How to do it is not the key critical thing. It's who we're doing it with. Amen. It's Jesus. It's His church. There's all kinds of ways to do it. We've chosen sort of a middle ground as Methodists, right between low church and high church. That's okay. We sort of mix it all together in the middle here. And that's fine too. That's just the way we're doing it here. It's not the only way to do it. And we don't look down on others. We're all on the same team. I hope that comes out in everything we do here at Harvard. We're not working against our team. No, we're not. We are working with God. He's the one on the move. We're joining Him. It's not us starting a new ministry or having to work for God. It is us joining Jesus as He reaches out to the world. What a powerful thought that is. And my heart was so encouraged. As I was worshiping there, you were worshiping here, different time zones even, and yet we're worshiping the same risen. Look, we're witnessing. You, your presence here in this place this morning, just the fact that you came is a witness to the fact that Jesus is alive and you're here to say, I believe that. I believe that. I'm here to witness to that. Now, apostle sent one. We're all, in that sense, apostles, aren't we? So if we, take, if we take the broadest possible definition of apostle, and I'm sort of using it, apostle with a lowercase a, then that means we're all apostles of God in the sense that we are all commissioned and sent. Actually, the only time that Paul and Barnabas are called apostles in the book of Acts is when they are commissioned by the church at Antioch. You remember, the church at Antioch is actually uh, the first place where you know, followers of the way were called Christians. They actually were not called Christians first. They were called followers of the way. Who is the way? It is Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. But they were first called Christians here. And the book of Acts actually mentions that Paul and Barnabas were sent out because Antioch, a local church, notice, laid hands on them and sent them out. You know what? Our church should be doing the exact same thing. Amen. Which is what we did, if you noticed... With Paul Craven, we're sending him out. We're, we laid our hands on him and prayed for him. Jesse being sent out. Others. We, you know what? Here's what I like about God is He never ceases to surprise us. Surprise me at least. We underestimate people. He doesn't. He calls people. And you know what? I pray constantly that He would call some of you even to be sent out. You say, well, hang on. You want me to leave, leave the church? No, no. The church is bigger than this, just this local church. We're not trying to circle the wagons and guard ourselves. We want to share. Doesn't Jesus say it's better to give than to receive? Which is why we want to be a church that's not just a church plant, but a part of church planting. We're not finished yet. If we are to truly grow and bear fruit... Fruit that falls to the ground becomes seeds for other trees. My professor one time, he held up an apple and he said, how many apples do I have in my hand? Well, the obvious answer would have been one, but the greater potential is actually innumerable. Because those seeds can be planted and grow and produce for years and years to come. So, Paul is a sent one. 
Now, apostle can also just simply mean if we want to kind of update the language, which we should always do as Christians. If we want to update the language, really, apostle just simply means missionary. They say, okay, well, good. That, that means, that excludes me, right? Because I'm certainly not, a, not called to missions or to be a missionary, you know. Um, I told you there are two key characters in the book of Acts. Paul and Peter. Peter first and then Paul. Did you notice in reading Acts, if you've ever read it, that Peter's ministry is very local? Do you ever see Peter going all around the Roman world, the Mediterranean, you know, they called it the Mediterranean because it was swallowed up by the sea, which is the Mediterranean. Um, did you see him? Do you ever hear about his travels all over the place? No. His ministry was primarily to the Jews, uh, to the Jews in Jerusalem, in that area. He actually goes to Rome eventually, but his primary thing is sort of local. Whereas Paul, he's all over the place. Have you ever noticed how many... I mean, he's just all over the place, being shipwrecked and a car crashes, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. The guy's everywhere. Being beaten, stoned to death, resurrects, goes back in there and preaches. I mean, he's all over the place. They had two very different ministries. We have so constricted the term missionary that we've almost lost it. A missionary, a sent one, an apostle is you. Right here. Luke, who was a physician, he had a ministry. He was sent by God. Others were sent to other places. Thomas, one of the apostles, actually we believe he went, from all accounts, he looked like he went to India, a place that's special to me. And that's where the church in India actually was started for some Thomas. Doubting Thomas, right? Wasn't doubting there. The church there is still going to this day. No, we're all missionaries. We're all sent ones. And if you're living in Madison, Huntsville area, Athens, guess what? That's your mission field. Amen. You work at a certain business... That's your mission field. You're part of a family. That's your mission field. We're all missionaries. Missionary does not mean you go across, you spend a bunch of money to fly across the world to do some work over there, and that's where the real battlefront goes. The battlefront is right here at our door too. The book of Acts is not only organized by its two main characters, who are Peter and Paul, but also undergirded by the main character who is actually the Holy Spirit carrying on the work of Jesus. Now, not only that though, there's another way to look at the book too when you really begin to study it, and that is geographically. Did you catch it in in just this one verse? And by the way, uh, this one verse in 1.8 is actually a synopsis of the entire book. In other words, this one verse summarizes the whole book by a geographical outline. Now, without boring you with numbers, up to chapter 8, the gospel, the church, is growing in Jerusalem and Judea only. After chapter 8, moves into Samaria and then on into all of the earth. Now, at the end of Acts, it's fascinating how Acts ends. Because a lot of books and 
books that you read, of course, but a lot of books in the Bible, most of them will end with sort of a conclusion, you know, with a final word. Acts 28 does not have this final word. The gospel's moving forward and you're, and you're getting updates. There's actually six updates in the book that talk about the church spreading and growing and multiplying in numbers and in the grace of Jesus. But at the end of the book, it just sort of cuts off. It's like things are going well and you're, and you're really excited and, and, and Paul's in Rome under house arrest, but things are going well and he's planning to go to Spain, which actually they would have called the ends of the earth. That would have been like Alaska for us, the last frontier, you know. Um, and so he's planning to go there, and the book just cuts off. And we're just sort of left there. And I think God did that on purpose. You know why? Because we are Acts 29. Amen. We're, the last, we're the next chapter. The church didn't have a conclusion. It's still forthgoing. We're still moving the gospel forward. The kingdom is still breaking into darkness all over the world. And in particular, in dark places in the world. We can bellyache, we can moan, we can groan about the current political stuff that's in our nation and all these swirling discussions. It's not going to do any good to complain. Instead we should put on the lens of the gospel to see the world in a different light. Used to, you had to move all the way over to the Middle East to meet Muslims. Not so anymore. Save the plane ticket. They're coming here. Now you can say, well, as an American, blah, blah, blah. You know what? We don't just live as citizens of America. I love my nation, I really do, and I love all of those who have sacrificed. And I myself would be willing to sign up for that sacrifice. Unfortunately, God has told me never not to do that. And so I've had to live vicariously through all the books I've read about people who've done that. Um, But the gospel is going forth. The kingdom is breaking in. God is on the move. His army is marching across the land. And so we can moan and ache and this sort of thing. But guess what? We have an opportunity to share with those who are coming here. You see, we should not see things only in a political light, but in God's eyes. And that's tough. Hey, that's tough. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying the lines sometimes are blurred. But I'm saying that we should be kingdom-minded more so than just nationally minded. This thing is bigger than us. You see, we're a part of something that's more ancient than us, that's greater than us, and that will outlive us. We get to be a part of that. It's called the church. The fact that we're sitting here today worshiping Jesus, others have laid down their lives so that might happen. The fact that we have a translation in English, others laid down their lives to make that possible. And so we stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. And we can see a little further. But we don't just live for ourselves. We also want to put others on our shoulders. We are called. We are sent. Commissioned as apostles, as missionaries, 
to put the weight of others on our shoulders so that they might see even further than us. This morning on my way out of my neighborhood, I saw a balloon that was celebrating someone's birthday. And it said, happy birthday, it's all about me. I just thought to myself, wow, that's a pretty bold statement. (laughs) It's all about me today. That's going to make for a fun birthday party, isn't it? I'm probably not going to attend. Um, You know, when we live for ourselves, the result is not happiness. It's selfish pride that we even get tired of. You ever notice we even get tired of ourselves? At least I do. I get tired of being around myself, being the way I am sometimes. And it always shows on vacation when you're with other people, right? And don't we need other people? Even with all their warts and all, we need each other. Even though it's hard to get along sometimes when you're in close quarters, we need each other. This was reaffirmed to me on my trip to the beach, actually. In more ways than one, but I'll share one. And that is, I was out there swimming, and Justin and I had decided to, to go way out there to the second sandbar, which included this uh, probably 35-foot part that was pretty deep. You know, at least to us, it was the dark. You know, it was the deep end, right? <laughs> and um, so anyway, we tried to do it, and, and we sort of got out there and almost made it and just decided to turn back. Well, I got a little brave and, and went out there by myself, and I, and I got right to the edge of where the deep end was, you know. And, and I thought to myself, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just, I might do it. I might just do it. Because, here's why, because other people were around me. So I had some, some uh, paddle boarders, and I had some kayakers that were like all, like, there's probably five people that were around me, you know. And so I was thinking, okay, I feel safer with other people around. I mean, you probably feel the same way about things, right? As long as other people are doing it, you're like, I think we're pretty good. I think this is all right. And so I, uh, I started to swim out there and sort of got where I couldn't touch anymore. And all of a sudden, they started pointing at something. I'm like, hey, um, excuse me, is, is, uh, is there something going on? And they said, well, there's a shark right there. So, I, I mean, I was, you know, I started scooting back to the ocean, you know. And, uh, and I actually saw it about 20, 20 yards from it, and I, and I rolled out. Now, of course, I can't outswim a shark. It was ludicrous to do so, but I just wanted to be able to touch, just so if I did get eaten, I might have a chance of jumping a little bit. I've seen somebody do that before. And so I wanted to put myself in a position to escape. But the point is, if I wouldn't have had those other people out there, I'd have never seen that dude I really wouldn't have I'm not saying I would have been eaten or anything like that although that was going through my mind the whole time Um, but we need others don't we especially when we go into the deep end you know what maybe our nation is going into the deep end that means we need each other all the more when things get dark we can shine brighter That's what we're called to do. We're actually, just like firefighters and policemen and and military, we're called to go toward the battle, not away from it. We're called to lay down our lives, not to keep it and hold on to it. That is our commission. That's what a missionary is. That's what an apostle is. That's what they're doing in Acts. They're laying down their lives. And it's not about me. It's about others. We need others. And lastly, the church in Acts six different times, as I said, says that it grew and spread. And as we at Harvest Point grow, and we're going to be celebrating that next week, as we've grown, we've come from just a seed now to maybe a sapling. And we're growing, we're starting to spread, just like a, just like a plant over time spreads its bows. It's limbs. 
we want to make sure that we're growing in the grace of Jesus Christ. Not just growing to grow. Not just growing to circle the wagons and make a place comfortable for us, but rather growing something to share with the world. That's what Jesus has called us to do with our own lives. Not all the way across the pond or all the way to a different continent, but right here. It must start in our own heart. God must be on the move in here first, then in our family, then in our local church, then it reaches out globally. Have you noticed the stratigraphy here, if you will? There's the strategy even, uh, the layered strategy that we have from Jesus to move out from Jerusalem. He says, look, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit, then move out. Actually, just bear with me, look right here. And while, this is verse 10 of 1, and while they were gazing into heaven, I mean, what a sight that was, watching him go up into the air. As they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, just like a balloon, he went from my hand all the way up until you couldn't see him. And they're just standing here like this. Two men appear in white robes, angels, and they basically say, Hey, guys, stop looking up into heaven. Get to work. He's coming back. He's going to come again. In the same way he went, he will descend one day untold to us. Says, don't even worry about that. Get to work. Stop looking into the heavens, waiting for who knows what, and get to work. Put your head down. Work with God because He is on the move. We need to come alongside that. And at Harvest Point, that's our purpose. That's the whole reason we exist, is to prepare souls for heaven by planting seeds of the gospel so that we can produce the fruit of God's kingdom in His world. This is His world. This is His show. He's the true... Sometimes it's funny, um, Bob will, will sometimes just sort of jokingly say, all right, Captain, talking to me. And it always sort of does two things for me. One, it puts a weight on me. And then also, remember the chain of command. That although, in a sense, we're all under someone's authority... So am I. I have the admiral that I gotta go talk to. And it puts a weight on all of us, doesn't it? Don't we have all people in our life who we influence in powerful ways? We have to go talk to the admiral. We have to report back to him. We're not running the show. He is. That's that's the whole purpose. That's why Lewis has this great thing in Mirror Christianity where he says, That's the reason you go to church is to get the secret messages so you know what you need to be doing this week. That's what we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? Being sent. We have a job to do. He's coming back. We have a job to do. And when we don't do that job, when we allow ourselves to get bogged down in this life, when we have no joy, when we have no witness for Jesus, we're not going to be happy. We're living for ourselves. We're not going to be happy. Because we're not being holy. Holiness equals happiness. 
You want true joy. You want your life to be fulfilled. You must be on mission with God, as the Blues Brothers said, right? You've got to be on mission with God, as Jesus said, and has commissioned us. So yes, there are missionaries, apostles, who are all across the world today. But right here, God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. For somebody in Madison. For somebody in Athens, Huntsville, Decatur, this area. He's looking for someone to place a burden upon. Will you receive that burden? Will you receive that mission today? He's calling and He's prepared us. And we are to be good soil to receive that. So receive it today in the name of Jesus. Amen.